Hello and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield and I am the co-director of charts at Billboard. Joining me is Billboard.com senior editor Katie Atkinson. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I like that intro. <laughs> Katie um, well, um, um, I'm fine. Did Good. I, did I tell you that I was fine? You did not tell me you're fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I was wondering. Um, uh, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still good. <laughs> uh, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the week's big pop news, fun chart stats and stories, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. This week on the show, Katie, we have a very special interview with someone who is burning up the Billboard Hot 100 chart. In fact... He is the lead singer of a band who is at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 yes. this week. That would be Lucas Graham Forshammer. Forshammer. Yes. Of, and he came into the office for an interview. Of Lucas Graham, yeah. yeah. Um, Katie talked to him last week um, while I um, uh, was not here. <laughs> you did not talk to him <laughs> last week. I did not talk to him last <laughs> week. Um, any, anything you want to tease about the interview before we, you know... Well, it happened to be on the day that... The song Seven Years reached number two mm. on the How 100. So it was kind of an awesome like moment to be talking to Billboard. We he was really excited. Way. Yes, of course. Yeah. What I meant to say is we planned it to, to happen that way. Yeah. So he was really excited and, and just a great interview. Yeah. Well, um, that song, like we said, is at number two on the Hot 100 for a second week. Uh, we'll be talking more about the Hot 100 uh, later on in the show where a, uh, a girl group that Katie and I both enjoy, Fifth Harmony, uh, reaches the top 10 for the very first time. Friends uh, of the podcast. Friends of the podcast, Fifth Harmony. Um, they finally uh, reached the top 10 and bring girl groups back to the top 10 for the first yes, time, too. thank it, you. Since, like, 2008. It probably is because of our girl group episode from a couple weeks probably. ago. That's probably that why. Pro- that probably is why. <laughs> so we'll be talking about the Hot 100, we'll be talking about uh, Lucas, and we'll be talking about how Zane debuts at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. With his new album, his first new his first album, Mind of Mine, um, and it's a pretty historic week for him because he uh, he's he's he has so many firsts that come along with this. He's the first UK solo male artist to debut at number one with their first album, and I've got a whole litany of other things that he's the first to do this, that, and the other. And yeah, we'll talk about that in the show as well. Sounds great. Um, but before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss a single episode and give us a rating or review while you're at it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at Keith underscore Caulfield or KT Atkinson. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Before we get started, um, Katie, last night, we're recording this on Monday. This is not on your script. Um, I always love it when I'm looking Off at... Off script moment. When I look at Katie and she's like, what, what, what are we talking about? Where are we going with this? It's a quiz Katie segment. No. Um, last night, uh, not only was the Academy of Country Music Awards on, not only was the iHeart Music Awards on, but also WrestleMania was on. This is all true. <laughs> and that was the one I did not watch. Yeah. <laughs> Out of well, the three. Fifth Harmony did perform on WrestleMania. Right, that's crazy. That I honestly heard that WrestleMania was on, thought I have no reason to watch this, but apparently I did have a reason apparently to watch it. Apparently you did. Um, but you uh, you were covering some of this. Do you watch uh, iHeart Awards? What what was like? What was a big highlight for you from watching the iHeart Awards? Oh, for me, by far, my favorite performance was DNCE 
And I had no idea going into it that DNCE performing Cake by the Ocean would be my favorite performance of the night. But all of a sudden, Niall Rogers pops up with two ladies singing Le Freak by Chic, mashing it up with Cake by the Ocean. Friend of the podcast, Niall Rogers. Friend of the podcast, Niall Rogers. And he, it was just such a cool mashup, like seamless mashup. And such a surprise. Wow. And it just was awesome. And, and, you know, not to knock anybody else on the show, but it was a lot of... There were there were not a lot of instruments on the stage on Sunday in, night. Oh, in general? In general. And so to see this, like, live performance with all these people playing really, you know, awesomely. Like, Nile Rodgers, you know, jamming with the awesome bassist Mohawk from DNC. And, yeah. yeah, it was just... It was really cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, I, I missed, uh, uh, all those things I just said. <laughs> well, I actually, I saw, I, I saw a blip of the ACM awards. Um, uh, Katy Perry and Dolly Parton did a medley of, uh, songs. They did Jolene, Nine to Five, and Code of Many Colors, because Dolly Parton received, uh, the special Tex Ritter Award, which basically recognizes, um, I think, uh, film and or TV um, representations of country music. Okay. So I think previously winners have been like Country Strong or like maybe Pure Country even one. Oh, or maybe that uh, Jeff... Uh... Foxworthy? <laughs> what? Not Jeff Foxworthy. No, um, I'm just going to totally not... Bridges, the country oh. movie he did a couple years ago. Yeah, I don't know. that one. Well, that can all be cut out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark the time code. No, we'll, we'll leave that in there. We, we, we like the realness here. Um, uh, and um, uh, last week, actually, I was in London uh, for the week, uh, working from London. And while I was there, I got to see a concert the RuPaul's Drag Race Battle of the Seasons yes. show. Yes. Uh, yes, queen. Yes. Um, and what were the moments that you lived for during that moment, or during that concert? It's funny. I, if I wrote a story for Billboard.com that was, I think it was the title of it was um, eight, eight moments we lived for. <laughs> Incredible at, at the RuPaul's Drag Race Incredible. concert. Um, basically, this show, if you if you uh, watch Drag Race, um, it's a reality competition series on Logo TV. It airs every Monday, um, and the goal of the show is to find America's uh, next drag superstar. Yes, and of course, you know, as if anyone could unseat RuPaul. But yes, right. <laughs> RuPaul just well, that's why RuPaul is the judge yes. and the 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 host and the executive producer. Yes, because um, there will never be. A replacement for RuPaul. Yes. Um, there's just the next superstar. Yes. Because there can be many of them. They've now had 100 contestants on the show. Wow. Over like the course of, I think, I think they're in their eighth season. That's amazing. Anyway, the the concert was a hoot. Um, and it's a traveling review that goes through, I believe, I want to say July. Um, it's in Europe right now. We'll come to North America, then goes to Australia. Um, and different segments of the tour will have different uh, representing dra- drag queens. So right now there's like, I think, eight, Eight girls, and then when it comes to America, it might be a slightly different lineup, uh, you know, depending on who, you know, what city you're in. Um, but it was actually a lot of fun, and it was sold out. It was like a 2,000-seat um, venue, um, and uh, before the show, I actually got to meet um, Adore Delano, who actually, his uh, new album debuted at number one on the Top Dance Electronic Albums chart a and week ago. And since it's American Idol finale week, we have to acknowledge... Danny Noriega. That is Danny Noriega. That is actually Danny Noriega, who was a, a contestant on American yes. Idol. Um, I think maybe made it to like top 24, maybe? Yeah, definitely yeah. was in the top 24. Um, 
and you know uh, when uh, when Danny Azador uh, Delano was competing on Drag Race. Paula Abdul was one of the guest judges one week. Did Paula know it was Danny? Like, or did they like hide it from I, her? Well, I don't think they really hid it. Adora was just like, "We've actually met before, oh, Paula." I know you, Paula. And Paula was just like, "I think I remember you," or oh, something that's like that. So funny. Um. So yeah, Adora uh, was was lovely and um, talked to Court. Courtney Act or Cotney Act. Cotney. Cotney Act. <laughs> who, uh, who I actually have talked to on the phone before because Billboard premiered uh, uh, one of Courtney's singles. I'm rambling on about this just because I am Billboard's unofficial drag editor. Not, it's no longer unofficial. Also backstage, <laughs> um, I talked to Floor East, who's a big um, British uh, pop star who came from the X Factor a couple years ago, who you may be familiar with from um, her big sort of kind of career-making moment uh, when she covered Uptown Funk on the show mm. and became like a viral thing really right. quick. And that's how I became aware of her. Um, so I talked to her and she was lovely. So anyway, check all that out online. None of this was in the script. I just thought I'd ramble a little bit about, you know, being in London for the week. Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's get to Zane. Speaking of people uh, from the UK and folks uh, in the world of British pop music, his album, Mind of Mine, did 157,000 equivalent album units in the week ending March 31st uh, in the U.S., according to Neil Music. Nielsen Music? Neil Music. Of that sum, it sold 112,000 in pure album sales. Now, there's a lot of fun chart stats to go along with this. Zane, who was uh, born in Bradford, West Yorkshire, England, uh, is the first male U.K. solo artist to debut at number one with their first album. There's a lot of caveats there. Okay. You know, because like solo male UK debuting at number one with their first album. Yes. Still. Still. Pretty cool. Yes. Um, He is the first male UK artist to even reach number one with their first album since 1988, George Michael's Faith. Which means Sam Smith didn't do it. Sam Smith, I believe, peaked number two. I mean, that's like the most notable recent Ed example. Sheeran, uh, Ed Sheeran came close. He was top five. Didn't happen. That's crazy. Um, I mean, Ed Sheeran has since gone to number one yeah. with his second album. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam Smith will probably, you know, start off very strong with his next album. Yes. Um, there have only been actually 16 um, male UK solo artists that have actually been number one at all. Oh, interesting. On the Billboard 200. I will quickly rattle them off for you. Uh, David Bowie, uh, who actually did it for the first time this year, uh, Eric Clapton, Phil Collins, Peter Frampton, uh, George Harrison, Elton John, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Michael, who we already talked about, Graham Nash, who I didn't realize actually was from England. He was born in the UK of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. Yes. Um, so Graham Nash had an album at number one as part of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, but that's kind of like a super group where they're mm-hmm. all getting kind of billing. So if you count that, then it sort okay. of counts. Um, Jerry Rafferty, I didn't know that Jerry Rafferty was British. You know, and he had that famous song, Baker Street. And Baker yes. Street is also a tube yes. stop station in London. I just, I hear that saxophone solo wah, wah, in my head wah, 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 frequently. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sticks in your head. Yes. Um, Ed Sheeran, Cat Stevens, Rod Stewart, Steve Winwood, and Zane. So that Zane, is quite the list. I was going to say Zane is in some pretty spectacular uh, 
And none of them accomplished what he did with this first album. This is crazy. Yeah, and you know, um, most of these folks actually, their careers started before it became a regular occurrence for you to even debut, debut at number, at number one. one. Yeah, totally. So that was already kind of working against them. Yeah. Um, some other fun facts about the, the Zane debut at number one. He is the first UK act, solo or otherwise, to debut at number one on the Billboard 200 with their first album since his former group, <laughs> One Direction. That's crazy. Did so back in 2012 with Up All Night. Um, one Direction then scored three more number ones with Zane mm-hmm. as part of the group. Uh, Take Me Home, Midnight Memories, and Four. And then Zane left the group basically a year ago, just slightly more March, than a year ago. La- yeah, last March 25th, year. I think, was when they announced it, and that's when his album came out this year. Mm-hmm. You're like, mm-hmm, Though there it. was a, like, a hashtag one year without Zane or whatever right. for the One Direction fans, yeah. Then One Direction's uh, first album without Zane uh, peaked at number two on the Billboard 200. Not behind, saying anything Behind about... Justin Bieber. <laughs> that was just timing. That was just, that was... <laughs> that a, was all timing. That was a difficult week. Yes. Um. So that's the, that's the really big exciting news at the top of the Billboard 200 chart. I'm curious, Katie. Yes. Curious, Katie. With a K. Yes. <laughs> Who do you think will be the next member of One Direction that will release solo music of any kind, like I mean, a, like a single? This is a no-brainer, right? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Harry Styles. You think? I just feel I like... I think we've reported that, probably. That we he's, have, we've reported that, that he's making moves, I think, but, I mean, there's no music yet. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I feel like he's got to be the next one out the gate. Most people thought that he would be the first one out of the gate before Zane exited. You know, yeah. everyone thought he was going to be the Justin who would come out first with the music and then Zane had his own plans. Yeah, I think I, I wonder if, if Harry is just sitting there like fuming and like wondering, oh man. Like, Harry's playing by the rules. True. And Zane was like, I am out of this. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Do you think any of them aside from uh, Harry and Zane could have a go at this? I feel like I could see um, Niall who um, uh, played plays guitar yeah. and did some songwriting. Like turning turning into sort of an Ed Sheeran. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Totally could see him doing that. And I, 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 th- I think I think um, Liam um, is... Uh, he he he's walking and talking like he would be like a Gary Barlow esque sure like guy yeah where maybe he and he's talked about this before where he kind of wants to get into like songwriting for other mm-hmm. people um, maybe more of like sort of the businessy side but at the same time he he still very much looks like a very striking handsome so like handsome. male pop star maybe he could put out an album with Cheryl true they could. There was some really tabloidy uh, quotes from Simon Cowell today in the Sun um, that said that he like went out to dinner with them and that they're like he the quotes I mean and it's all like air quotes because it's the Sun and you never know were very much like oh they're they're very much in love like he (laughs) said the L word and everything I was like what Simon Cowell just like putting it out there Uh, or or not or not or the Sun got creative but yeah oh yeah. A little tabloid Ma- juice for you. You know that would be an amazing if, if like, uh, if actually Liam beat Harry and, and Liam just drops like a duet with Cheryl. Oh my god! I feel Whoa. like it would set the UK on fire if Cheryl and Liam put a song out. And then like we get like, oh, see, this is what can happen. And then like <laughs> Niall and Ed Sheeran do a song together. Yes, that would work. Yes, I mean they're they're not like an item, but it, w- it would make sense. <laughs> 
um, that we know of. We're not mentioning Louie here in the mix. Oh, Louie. Louie's busy with his kid. He's got, yeah, he's a dad now. He's got a baby. He can do like a children's album. The, oh, that would be actually really sweet. Like he can do like, you know, you know, like a lullaby. I love that idea. Like, like a one-off like, ooh, I know. What he can do is he can do like a lullaby for, because in the UK they're, they're charity crazy where they do like, you know, comic relief. Or like children in need, yeah. like he can do something very benefit kids. like something to benefit kids, children in need, sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I Man, love all the. We should be working with uh, their management. We're A and Ring all the happen. next uh, One Direction albums. Um, well, let's move on to the Hot 100 chart, where Fifth Harmony, yes, <laughs> earns its first top ten on the Hot 100 chart with Work from Home as it works its way up. Heyo. The chart from number 12 to number 10 this week. Uh, with the move, Fifth Harmony passes its prior best rank. Uh, first set win Worth It, featuring Kid Ink, reached number 12 uh, last August. Uh, the new single, Work From Home, actually features Ty Dolla Sign, and this is also Ty Dolla Sign's first top 10 hit, too, as well. Um, Fifth Harmony's um, new single... Um, also jumped 6 to 4 on the digital songs chart. It sold 89,000 downloads last week, up 34%. Jumps 8 to 5 on the streaming songs chart uh, with a 20% gain in streams. And jumps 22 to 17 on radio songs and it's up 22% in audience. Uh, this is huge. Yeah, it's actually like full-on legit proper hit single. Yes, and I mean, Worth It was such a big song. You could not escape it last right. year. And so to think that that couldn't do it and this new song did it just shows like what a big accomplishment it is. Uh-huh. 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 Um, work From Home also, and I think in, in a way this is even, I mean, it's it's obviously big news that Fifth Harmony gets their highest charting single yet and also their first top 10. But this is also the first time a girl group has been in the top 10 on the Hot 100 this decade or that ain't right. since 2008. The last girl group to be in the top 10, believe it or not, was the Pussycat Dolls when When I Grow Up, uh, which <laughs> was their fourth and final top 10 single, reaching number nine back in July and August of 2008. Wow. Um, I mean, I think it's important because it's it's... Fifth Harmony is like the lone sort of the, the 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 flag holding the flag or whatever what's that phrase called? Torchbearer. Torchbearer for girl <laughs> groups in America. Yeah. Like there are so few. I mean, can you name any others that are actually out? No. Right now? I mean, cuz there was that that group GRL or girl and they I mean, lost a member tragically. Yes. They and they were like making a go of it um but never reaching Fifth Harmony status. Yeah. Um, no, the answer yeah. is no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also think it's it's difficult to compare Fifth Harmony to the Pussycat Dolls, despite the fact that Pussycat Dolls is technically a girl group. And I say this because a girl group is generally a group of women who are all singers mm-hmm. who sharing vocal share duties. vocal duties yes or it can be uh, an all-girl band mm-hmm. like uh the go-go's okay um or you know it could be a, a blend of like the bangles where mm-hmm. you know they, they you know they sing and play instruments um whereas the pussycat dolls was effectively nicole scherzinger singing kind of everything yeah and then a group of girls behind her 
sometimes harmonizing maybe yeah i feel like in the, and the mostly first, dancing the first album there was a lot more in like the background vocal department and then the second album it was like they didn't even it's the nicole show uh, yeah they didn't yeah. even book studio time for anyone but nicole on that second which, album which is really sad because the, the 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 girls that backed nicole um were in i mean beautiful amazing dancers mm-hmm. but you never actually got to truly find out if they were like vocalists of great talent because they never got a chance to shine. I think that's one of the reasons that Fifth Harmony has connected like so crazy because it's truly like equal billing for all of them and they all sing the same amount. Yeah. And you really get to know all their voices and you get to know all their personalities because they all talk and are at the forefront a lot. Which is even more than like what like NSYNC would do where NSYNC was really kind of like the Justin and JC show totally. a lot of the time. Totally. And then the other guys harmonize. Yeah. Now, Backstreet Boys, if we compare this to like boy bands, because I know, it, but I'm just thinking of like vocal groups where they share duty. Backstreet Boys actually did a really good job of all five of them sharing Oh, vocal. yeah, their biggest hit was I Want It That Way, and every single member had a featured vocal part. I could tell you which part each guy had right now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not but we won't. To. It's all right. <laughs> but, uh, like, I'm just saying, Howie D had, like, a very prominent vocal part in that song. You know, everybody got a, got a, got a turn. Well, um, so it's it. I, I don't think this is necessarily the sign that, like, girl groups are going to suddenly start to, like, multiply and prosper. Uh, you know, and and like that'd be cool though. It, it would be cool. I mean, it would be great if like Little Mix could could like have like a top ten single in America. Maybe American Idol ending could allow for something like making the band to come back for a girl group. Well, you know, um, one of our uh, 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 not one of our guests. Uh, I was thinking of the wrong group. Um, I was thinking of another trio. Uh, Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child mm-hmm. has a reality show now that's I think either just starting up or about to start up which is basically the search for a new girl group. Yay! So Kelly's on it. So um, we're in good hands. Yeah, Ke- Kelly's like the host <laughs> of the show. It's I think awesome. it's sort of like her brainchild. And I want to say like, I want to say it's on BET. I could be wrong. I um, fully support this. Um, so hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get another girl group a la Fifth Harmony. Um, and I just think it's great. And Fifth Harmony ladies are lovely. So congratulations. Totally. Um uh, you know, we were talking about Pussycat Dolls earlier before we, as we were prepping for the show. And uh, I'm curious, Katie, uh, what's your favorite Pussycat Doll song? Well, when I was revisiting their ouvoir, however <laughs> you say that. The, their boudoir? You were yeah. visiting their boudoir. <laughs> yeah, that's, that would, more, that would make that's sense. more accurate. That's more, that's more up there. Um, that's that's uh, more their speed. I realized I really liked their ballads because I loved, like, the single that was, like, the fourth or fifth single off their first album called Stick With You. Yeah. One word, Stick St- With Stick You. Stick With You. And then on their second album, I loved I Hate This Part, I which this you listen to the lyrics of that. And actually, I was like on the YouTube earlier, and I was, that sounds like such an old person thing. I was, I was on, on the, on the YouTube. YouTubes earlier. And what I met was like I was on the YouTube page of that video, and the comments were all like, um, you know, if you just had a breakup, you know, like this comment. It was all just like, this is the perfect breakup song. This is the perfect, you know, like, people were still like 10 years later loving it. I, you know, I. I Though I wish the group was more properly, like a proper, a full-on, you know, sharing vocal type group, um, their hits were kind of undeniable. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, don't you wish your girl? I mean, come on, that is such like a pop culture thing, don't you? Yeah. Wish your girlfriend was hot like me, yes. don't you? Yeah. Like I can't believe this is even a song, yes. and yet it becomes a huge hit. Totally. That darn button song with Snoop Dogg. Button. 
buttons. Loosen up my buttons, baby. I'm like, really? And it was just amazing what they sort of did with this really kind of absurd idea. That it was came, like a Vegas burlesque it was show. A, it was a burlesque show that came from the Sunset Strip. Yeah, okay. Where now it's in Vegas, and then you know, then it turned, and it was Robin Anton mm-hmm. who invented this this concept of the Pussycat Dolls, mm-hmm. which was a burlesque review. And then it, they're like, "Well, why don't we see if they can sing?" And then they hired Nicole, recruited some girls, turned it into a thing, mm-hmm. and then it turned into a full on kind of franchise yeah. where it had they had oh, a TV show. I watched all those TV shows. There was there was two different series, the Pussycat mm-hmm. Dolls, where they find a new doll, and that one girl who became the next doll was a doll for like one episode, and then she was never a doll again. Her name was Asia. Poor Asia. And then they put together another group, which I want to say might have been the be- oh yeah, girl. I was gonna say it might have been the, the start of GRL, but not so much girlish. You know, and I think the I think the other thing is the um the the, the the kind of the problem, and, and this, and then we'll stop because this is not the girl group episode yeah. like it was two weeks ago. <laughs> I think the problem, the other problem, aside from the fact that they weren't sharing vocals, was that the common thread throughout all girl groups mm-hmm. and all boy bands really is the idea that they're all like. BFFs, they're all yeah. besties. Mm-hmm. It's all about empowerment and togetherness, and we can all like sort of become like we're all equal and we're all going to work together. Yes, and that's why it was such a big deal when Zayn bailed on One Direction, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my god, it shattered that like the perception. circle has been broken. Yeah, with same thing with Pussycat Dolls. It's like when it's really just this one girl singing everything. Like, how are you? How how? <laughs> come on, like. No. Yeah, we can't pretend we're all happy there. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> if you're not Nicole, you might not be happy. I'm like, I'm not sure if, you know, Jessica Sutta in that group was thrilled about Nicole getting She's all the leads. She's got dance hits now. I mean, Jessica, I mean, they all went on to do other stuff. <laughs> yes, I know. Anyway. Um, other, uh, before we move on from the Hot 100, other debuts on the chart. Nick Jonas, his new single, Close, featuring Tovlo, with um, a very uh, sort of acrobatic video, um, debuts at number 27 on the Hot 100, which gives Nick his third top 40 hit on the chart, following Chains, which reached number 13, and Jealous, which peaked at number 7. Um, this, the, the news of Nick Jonas and the new single and the upcoming album all kind of just like boom, 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 like yeah. all in the last like week and a half. Yeah, it was fast. Like, he was just like, I've gone through like, you know, an emotional past year, and this is what the next album's going to be about. It's funny because it feels like Jealous and the album and everything was really recent. But when you think about it, like he did release Levels and Levels, all that. Levels, which. As kind of a placeholder. Like it was like or a holdover like for a while. But honestly, Jealous was like two years ago. Yeah. It's, it's time I, for an album. I'm you, ready. You feel like Levels because I remember when when we actually talked to him at the iHeart mm-hmm. show like last year. Um, he, I was asking about, I think, Levels at that time. And I said, is this the is this from a repackage of your album or is this the first single? I was like, nope, it's the first single from the next album. I'm like, wow, okay. He's like, hey, we're looking at like top of the year or like late this year. I'm like, all right, cool. And then he performed on the VMAs. And then Levels didn't, I think, do as much as they wanted it to do. Yeah. That's my guess. And then they regrouped and said, all right, well, let's just reissue the album, put Levels on there, and then refocus their energies on a whole new album, which is what we're getting now. Um I think Nick's great. So. Oh, I totally agree. So I'm, I'm loving all the Jonases lately. Yeah, Sorry, except man. for Kevin hasn't done much, but other, the other two. We're just waiting for his new, you know, <laughs> dance pop side project. <laughs> Who knows? Um, also on the Hot 100, uh, Kenny Chesney uh, collects his 48th entry on the chart. 
as his new single, Noise, debuts at number 72. I believe it's the first single from his upcoming new album. And he performed it Sunday night the at the Awards. ACM Awards, and so it'll probably move up even higher next week. Well, I think it's time for our guest interview, Katie. Yes. So you... Take it away, Katie. Well, that was a great intro. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Lucas came to visit the office last week, and it was on the exact day, Monday last week, when he found out that uh, Seven Years had hit number two, its peak so far on the Hot 100. Ooh. He was super pumped, and he even told us about this game that he's been playing among the band called Billboard Bingo. Oh, so, how's that work? Well, they've all been guessing since the song entered the chart at like number 96, they've all been guessing where it would land the next week, and they've been running out of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so, As what which happens. we hear about that, yeah. yes. And um, he also talks about they're uh, going on a U.S. tour right now, so you can uh, see them in a city near you. And the new album just came out. New album just came out last week um heading for a you know a nice debut on next week's billboard 200 chart yeah and there's some good stuff on there and it's a lot of different vibes from seven years it's there's some more upbeat stuff they kind of have a maroon five vibe actually when i listen to hmm. through to all the rest of their stuff so um just a totally fascinating guy and this song is just burning up the charts so here's our interview with lucas graham forshammer Seven years old, my mama told me, go make yourself some friends or you'll be lonely once I was seven years old. Hi, Lucas, and welcome to Billboard's Pop Shop Podcast. Thank you very much. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. You're good. Thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It's of a good uh, talk to Billboard on the day I realized we're on number two on the Billboard. And I was hoping I could break that news to yeah, you, but no, you already know. <laughs> we've had a Billboard bingo going on. Oh, really? And it actually took a while for our, our following to catch on. We basically started at 96, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. And what we started doing after that was we tweeted at our management and the different guys in the band and the production team behind uh-huh. the record at all of them and then hashtagged a number so from the beginning of our billboard adventure every every monday that it was a big tweet reaction going on oh about hashtag this and that and but th- there was a flaw in the game as we entered the top 10 mm-hmm. and we're nine people tweeting guesses you start running out of <laughs> options out of numbers <laughs> so yeah today only two people got to tweet and one of them was like tweeted number two and the other one was like well i checked the numbers we can't be number one but i'll tweet it anyway like, <laughs> so there's only two gambles for today and that's a good problem to have running out of numbers on yeah. the charts <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah it's a very good thing but the game became boring yeah <laughs> we have to release more songs and get them on the billboard. exactly obviously yeah so you know we're talking about seven years obviously which is your big breakthrough hit here in america yeah um but you've been making music for much longer than that and and you're known all across europe and your home country of denmark um did you have any idea when you wrote Seven Years what a huge impact it was going to have? You could say that both me and the guys uh, in the studio the day the song was conceived knew that it was a special song and knew it was unique. The first time we performed it live uh, as a band, we also knew that it was a, new, a unique song because people, well, they were just quiet from the get-go. Yeah. And when we were done with the song, there was this three-second delay before the applause started. So like, I had that brief moment of thinking, oh, nobody liked it that's why they were quiet and it was actually just the realization that the song was over took a while to sit with people because it obviously takes you through a little bit of a roller coaster yes i imagine people they really listen to the words too so like you probably are just so engrossed in those lyrics when you when you first hear it 
Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the 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 strength of my songwriting and the way I write with my my co-writer Don Stefano mm-hmm. is that this emphasis on lyrical content rather than all these other things. Like, it, if if the lyrics can't stand alone with a melody, then the song might not even make it to production. Right. Um, and most of our songs are are written just with a piano, and then start writing lyrics and melodies and trying to fit different things together, telling Rizzy Rizzy to switch it up, let's get some new chords, or... Yeah, I, I'm not that good with keys and chords and stuff. I just make up words and melodies, and, and the guys tell me if they're good enough. <laughs> well, you do a pretty good job of it, I think. I think the guys do a good job of making sure that I don't slack. Like The problem as, as a writer is that if, if I get to spend too much time with a song on my own, mm-hmm. I might become a little precious about it, and I hate that. I hate becoming... Um, yeah... It, it's like it's like putting a wrapper on a present that you're not allowed to break or something. <laughs> because, yeah. And, and because every song is like a mold, and I can't on my own decide if the mold is good enough. We're nine people engrossed in the process, and uh, majority rules. Luckily, I'm usually in the camp that has majority. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not. It shall be said. Um. So yeah. It's very democratic. It's very <laughs> kill your darlings and believe the majority. Usually, there you go. That's that's awesome, and that obviously the you know committee atmosphere works well for you guys too because you put out great stuff. So thanks. Yeah, um, and obviously the song is is like really personal, and you know I feel like I've seen a lot of reaction on Twitter, people telling their stories of how the song has affected them. Are you hearing that from fans as well? Definitely, I'm hearing it a lot, and I don't know how to say this but at the same time as I really get touched by it I also don't care <laughs> because that's why I write songs mm. I write songs so that you and you and you and he and him and she and they can put their stories into the yeah. songs and what their, their interpretations so the song is kind of like I have my own interpretation of it which is my truth and only mine mm-hmm. uh, and, and that truth, truth and that truth changes over time so things I've written two years ago to some one of my friends mean something else to me now. Yeah. Uh, most specifically, there are lines in a song called "Better Than Yourself," where I say, "I'm, I'm." It's a song I wrote to a friend of mine who got shot. Mm. I'm living a crazy life. I wish that you could see it too. See a thousand people sing my song from me to you. Where now those lines are about my father passing, rather than my friend being in jail and me not being able to see him as much as I used to. Mm. So. Yeah, it's weird how you can how you can be emotionally involved in all these people's stories and at the same time be at a distance. Because, of course, there isn't this arrogant distance. It's not like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> it's more like, oh, that's a cute story, but I have mine. Yeah. Like, it, it, like it's more that kind of a feeling. Yeah, it's, it's really like, I'm not cool. A, I'm not a... Oh, I can't say that word. I'm you not can a, say I'm whatever not, you want to say. I'm not an ass. <laughs> that's totally acceptable. <laughs> I feel like you're just saying that you like that people can relate to it, but it's their own. They're, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's But I'm great. not a shrink. Yeah. Like, I'm not some psychiatrist <laughs> right. who's going to call you up and say, oh, you know, Rebecca, I think you should maybe write a couple of letters to your dead aunt and uh, you can read them once in a while when right. you're sad and you need to think about her a little right. bit. Go to your special happy place. Because I like that. That's not, I'm not a trained shrink but because of my songs being so personal people have a, like a need and an urge almost to tell me their personal stories yeah. and I sometimes it becomes a little overwhelming so you have to kind of shut off yeah when these well 
every anything from 12 year olds to 42 year olds that come up and tell me about their parents who died last year and i'm like dude it's three and a half years since my dad died mm. i can't carry your burden mm. for you this is your thing this is your shit you've done here. your part with the song so well, yeah yeah it's just i just think a lot of people don't realize how cathartic it can be to write your stories down and mm. just because you can write your stories down and i can relate them without breaking down every time doesn't mean i can talk to everyone about their right. issues um so yeah that's 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 heavy. <laughs> it's a flip, there's a flip side to everything. Yes. Every time you you do something, something like, or you can't do something else. Every time you mm-hmm. say yes to something, you say no to something mm-hmm. else. When I said yes to relaying my stories, I said yes to people coming to me relaying for guidance back. and advice. Mm-hmm. And I just have to tell people I can't. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can do. Yeah. Well, I, that totally makes sense. And um, obviously... Uh, you know you're you're new here in the u.s but you know you've had a lot of success already overseas what's it like to kind of do you feel like you're starting over as a brand new artist here no no it's a deja vu feeling like the first time we started releasing music back in denmark we did a sold out tour like uh, 10 sh- uh, 50 shows in 10 weeks mm. thirty-five thousand tickets in total and uh and over here we're doing 21 sold out shows in six weeks um and and yeah it's all over the country flying back and forth yeah uh, playing a couple of festivals and like really getting down and dirty we're playing without our brass section we don't have our lighting guy with us it's just the band a tour manager a sound, two sound engineers and it's gonna be really really fun yeah totally um and you're actually playing at the troubadour tonight yeah um which have, you, have, have you been there before never i'm looking forward it's oh, a legendary it's such a room. cool venue it's i mean and it's and you'll see but like you're gonna be like so close to everyone it's it's such a cool place to see a show so. That's the good thing about starting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because when we play shows back home now, it's like five, ten, twenty, forty thousand people, mm-hmm. and there's sometimes this distance between <laughs> us. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I, I don't know why, but I find it so hard to play big shows because you have to, like, it's hard, but it's also easy. Because people carry you through it, mm. but you still need. But you need to get to the back of the crowd still, even yeah. though people are carrying you. Yeah. And in a small venue, when you can see the back of the crowd, you know if they're there. You know. Yep, <laughs> definitely. You'll see them. You'll see them tonight for sure. We'll make them sweat. <laughs> and um, you're putting your album out this week, also in the U.S. Yeah. Um, self-titled album. Uh, are you excited for your American fans to kind of have a, a full body of work to listen to after you know discovering you through seven years? They're gonna be surprised. Yeah, I don't think people are expecting what the album sounds like after hearing seven years. Right, um, people might be expecting a folkier record than yes, they're getting. Yes, um, they're gonna get a. It's literally a rap record with melody. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's piano driven, drum driven, bass driven mm-hmm. music, brass section and string arrangements. It's uh, it's a lot of it is single takes, single lead vocals. Most of it is single lead vocals, actually. That's the way we like to do it. Let people hear how I sing. Yeah. Um, since I've been doing it professionally for 19 years, so if I couldn't do that properly, I should probably find another job. Um, yeah, but they're just these songs about like being drunk in the morning, the booty call song. Oh, I love your drunk in the morning song. That's a great... <laughs> actually, I listened to that song... Um, and I thought to myself, like, wow, this is a totally different vibe than seven years. But I think that people, you know, have really connected through your voice and your words so much that I think that it will still carry over, you know? Well, everybody has a dual nature. Yeah. 
And just because I'm very, very deep and thoughtful and empowering in a song like Seven Years or Happy Home doesn't mean I'm not going to be frivolous on Strip No More. Uh, there you go. And doesn't mean I'm not going to be heartbroken on what happened to Perfect. And I'm not going to be like morbid in Funeral, the song about my own funeral, basically. How yeah. would I like that to pa- like, like <laughs> pan out? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's this really, really deep and sad song, You're Not There, that's basically the sad song I've written about my father's passing, mm. the last song to make it on the record. There's Don't You Worry About Me, that's a happy song about my father's passing. And at the end of the day, the song that mostly resembles Seven Years is Happy Home. It's another structuralist song, no hook. Um, and it's basically just the lyrics and the, the melody carrying you through a three and a half minute tale. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. It's um, I've written several other songs in this more folky style. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second record is going to be f- have a couple of them on there too. Do you have any idea? Like, are you already you're already writing new music? You're already working on. I think I have more than a thousand unreleased songs. Oh my god! Uh, you're you're always writing, basically. I haven't been writing so much for the past couple of months okay. because it's weird with this incessive traveling. Mm. And um, yeah, I think once we get the budget for it, I'm going to figure out how to do a sort of a tour, write tour, like regie kind of have an extra tour bus with a full studio yeah. set up in it, have like, writers meet me in different places. You yeah. know, when you're playing Austin, have a week off afterwards. When you're playing like in, uh, in Nashville, make sure you have some time off so you can meet new writers and producers and experiment. Definitely. It's called playing music. Yes. <laughs> and I find the more people I meet in the American industry, mm-hmm. the more I can find those people who play music. Mm-hmm. But when you come over here as a green little stickling that hasn't even sprouted yet, what you find is people work music, mm. and that does not fit well with us. Mm. So we basically fired nearly everyone we worked with over here. We stuck with three songwriters. Is that right, Jamie? Ross Golan, Jim, and James Allen. We stuck with Brody Brown as an executive producer, and mm-hmm. that's kind of it. The people really? who kind of had the same philosophy as you about about music. Well, not necessarily about music, but also just about how do you how do you work, how do you play, how mm-hmm. do you how do you find inspiration? And it's not that the people we met were bad people or bad at their jobs. Sure. They were just oh, it sounds so cliche. They were different. It wasn't you. It was me. <laughs> but it's like you you get it. You you go to America and you start speed dating songwriters and you're right. speed dating producers, and then you hear this word multi instrumentalist a mm. lot. That basically means that people can play every instrument on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my producer Rizzy Rizzy plays the saxophone, plays any like most brass instruments. He probably can't play the fiddle, but he could learn it in a week. Sure. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> the same with my piano player, like Casper. He can play guitars, basses, pianos. Like, and he would play learn how to play a, like a brass instrument in a month too. He, like <laughs> he's got that absolute pitch to it. So it's like you 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 just realize that over here there's a lot of talk, and then once you get through that talk, you meet this massive wall of talent, mm. and you're just swamped for it. And I found it so weird that you needed to struggle past. Like it was like the surf; you needed to struggle to the beach. Yep. Like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's so nice to be there now. We're on the billboard. A lot of nice writers are reaching out to us. Great yeah. producers. So now we're kind of having to hold back up on all the good ones because you're like whoa whoa we, we also need to bring ourselves in this <laughs> yeah you know? yeah well i once again a good problem it's a lovely problem <laughs> it's full of first world problems <laughs> well, we're 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 all about first world solutions though. indeed <laughs> so on the tour you've already obviously like prepped ready to go you've got your first show tonight like mm. what are what are you bringing to fans what are you um what should they expect power yeah raw 
unrelenting power. As I said, we're not bringing our brass section, so it's just going to be what we were four years ago when we started touring, six years ago when we started practicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just going to be bass, drums, keys, and my vocals. We're going to bring a little bit of our uh, music on the back track, but it's people are going to feel the four of us, yeah. and hopefully we'll get to come back in the autumn and do a full-scale lights and brass tour for everyone, bring, in, bring the jazz club to a larger venue. <laughs> Um, but yeah, people can expect hard-hitting, like, powerful party songs, strong ballads, piano ballads, and a good sense of humor and a lot of sweat. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Small venues bring the heat. <laughs> so now, um, you know, hitting this like number two spot on the American charts. What's like? What's next? What do you want next? Where do you want your, you know, your music to go? Like, do you not think like that? <laughs> Coming from humble upbringing and mm-hmm. humble beginnings with secondhand clothes and a lot of eating a lot of leftovers, having a lot of dinners with other people's families, um, you, we, I'd say I never wanted anything in life. I hoped for everything, I expected nothing, and I worked harder than my peers. And, and that's what we're going to keep doing. I mean, we came this far. Um, two years ago, I just listened through some interviews Two years ago, I was interviewed by my my good friend Rene, who does all our documentaries and all, some of our music videos too. And he asked, he was well, we I can't remember the question because it's not in the video. But I basically I'm saying two years ago, I don't want to be on the Billboard with a with a, a Billboard song. Like I don't want to be on the Hot 100 with a Hot 100 song. I want to be on the Hot 100 with Seven Years. Yeah. And I got chills. That's I crazy. Because that, I couldn't remember the interview. I didn't remember this conversation because mm. I was like on a different planet when we were finishing this record and I just got this like stab in my heart I was like shit I knew it yeah and I did like I didn't even remember saying this stuff and uh, and I think it's about surrounding yourself with like-minded people surround yourself with people who are the best and want the best and can the best mm-hmm. and you will get the best but you also have to be like you have to be happy you have to be like not too stressed you have to be not too busy not too tired so uh, it's all these tiny little things that come together and make the magic happen yeah well hopefully more magic is on the way thank you so much for talking with us today and congratulations again on all your success thank you guys it's uh, it's an amazing feeling to finally be on the billboard when you wanted it since you were a kid I hope I wasn't rambling too much no I love it it was great (laughs) thank you so much I really appreciate it thank you awesome I'm calling you, you might be lonely, lonely. So uh, thanks to uh, Lucas Graham Forshammer from uh, Lucas Graham for stopping by the office last week. Yes, and uh, hopefully we'll be watching them climb that one last yeah, spot. They've got the one charts. number left. One number left. One. I, I mean, I guess you could guess, like, we'll, look, we'll go to 0. 0.5. 0. 0.25. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? If like it's like it's the Billboard Hot 100 and like we put like a number in between one and two, uh, you say it'd be funny, but I think that would really complicate your life. Yeah, if there would, were actually, yeah, half never spots. Mind. <laughs> never mind. Don't make that suggestion. <laughs> Speaking of um, weird numbers and charts and and suddenly dividing the charts between one and two, let's do the chart stat of the week. I think it's a great idea. Um, this week in 1973, Emmy award-winning actress Vicky Lawrence hit number one with her first and only top 40 hit on the Billboard Hot 100, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Um, On April 7th, 1973, the story song rose to the top of the chart. 
um, and spent two weeks at number one. And all this happened while uh, Lawrence was a co-star on the long-running The Carol Burnett Show, for which Lawrence won her Emmy Award. Uh, the song spent uh, two weeks at number one, like I said, and was written by Lawrence's husband at the time, songwriter Bobby Russell. Though it was never actually intended for Vicky to sing, she recorded the demo version of the song, and it was actually offered to a number of other artists, including Sonny Bono, who rejected it on behalf of Cher. Which is crazy because it's a very Cher song. Yeah. The I mean, story song. It's, yeah. I mean, it goes right in line with like Cher's like, you know, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves, totally. Half Breed, you know, you, uh, Dark Lady. So you can see why they would have offered it to her. Yes, and this is a song that I remember hearing and, and not knowing who sang it for the longest time and then finding out it was Vicky Lawrence. like, Vicky, like, huh? What? Yeah, no like, idea. Like, the girl from the, what? Mama's Family? What? Exactly. <laughs> Mama from Mama's Family saying had the number one hit with the Nights Without Light. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, ultimately, Lawrence recorded a version of her own with producer Snuff Garrett, and it soon began climbing the chart. However, as Lawrence told Fred Bronson in his Billboard Book of Number One Hits book, the recording of the song and the album of the same name took a toll on her relationship with Russell, and they divorced the following wow. year. Wow. So... Uh, it, it, though it brought her great success and this fluke hit, it also helped sort of hasten the end of their relationship. Um, the single wasn't Lawrence's only Hot 100 hit, though it was her only Top 40 hit. She followed it up with two more charting tracks, He Did With Me, which peaked at number 75 uh, later on in 1973, and The Other Woman, which reached number 81 in 1975. Was that on the country charts? Um, you know, I don't know. It's a very country song. It, I, I think it was the, that kind. I mean, that it could have been. I don't have. I don't have the database. I love when I put Keith right on the now. spot. You know, I, you, you need to ask me these things in advance. <laughs> Quiz Keith time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there you go. There's your uh, chart set of the week uh, this week in 1973. Vicky Lawrence hit number one with the night the lights went out in Georgia. <laughs> Well, Katie, I think I think we're all done. That's it. That's it. Oh Believe my goodness. it or not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, well, um, do you have any parting words? Well, I have a special request for a song to go out on. Oh. Actually, okay. I'm really in love with Keith Urban's new song, which he performed at the ACM Awards on Sunday night. It is called "Wasted Time," and it is one of his like awesome, nostalgic, upbeat songs. And we need to hear it right now. Well, then we shall. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Wasted time.